Friends, as Pastor Audrey said, it is good to hear um, both the ways in which God is at work both near and far, and we celebrate that. We set aside time to do it well, and maybe as you've enjoyed each update, you've also had in the back of your mind, okay, how's the timing going here? So we're going to give an abbreviated sermon today because the space that we want to make today um, is to hear the ways in which God is doing, but in God's good providence, Today's text from Colossians chapter 3 actually goes quite well with what we've celebrated today and the direction that we can take something home from the scriptures with us. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. So if if you turn with your Bibles, um, turn in your Bibles with me. Colossians is in the New Testament after the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. We're going to save the, uh, a, a beautiful half of this passage for next week as Jed preaches his final sermon here um, before the move to Colorado. And so today, just verses 1 through 11, as we consider the life that we have above that is hidden in Christ and that the ways in which death here below surrounds us. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians 3, 1 through 11. Let's pray for God's blessing upon the word. Let's pray together. Jesus, may your word be our rule. Your Holy Spirit, our teacher, and the glory of your kingdom, our highest priority. In your name, amen. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 11. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in your life that you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, Malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, have you ever heard or used the phrase, that's not my job? Most of us have heard it if we haven't used it ourselves. That's not my job. What do we usually mean when we're saying that or when we hear it? When we say, that's not my job, Implicitly, we mean that whatever is being talked about, whatever the that is in the that's not my job, we think that's 
below us or beneath us somehow. That's not my job. That's for someone else to do. That's someone else's work to take care of. That is someone else's problem. That's not my job. We also might hear in two different ways, well, that's a little bit above my pay grade, meaning either I don't feel skilled or equipped or able to do that um, without a supervisor like Brett was for Mr. Wayne. We don't feel equipped to do it, or it can be with a little bit of resistance of, that's a little bit above my pay grade, meaning, well, that's for someone else to do as well. I grew up on a farm, and I will say that the phrase, that's not my job, uh, just didn't exist in a family farm. There, there's no room for that mentality or mindset. There is no option by which you can say, that's not my job. You will do the worst of the worst, but also you learn the humility that nothing is permanent either. And so even when you're doing the worst jobs, you know that it's temporary. And pretty soon you'll be done shoveling or whatever you're doing. You'll go inside, you'll get cleaned up, you'll have something to drink, and you'll move on and be just fine. That's not my job. just isn't a phrase that works. And as we think about this past week at the Ottawa County Fair, as we think about the updates that we heard from Mission Action and from CASAs and from RCYF, that phrase, that's not my job, that had no place among anyone here or anyone who was sent out there. There's no room to say that's not my job because that it doesn't lead us in the ways of humility and service to step up and to do whatever it is that we can. And as RCF used one of the verses in next week's sermon, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of your Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We don't have a spot of saying, that's not my job, because, friends, there's nothing that is beneath us to do. We also don't have to um, hold ourselves back with an excuse of saying, well, that's a little bit above my pay grade. Everyone can learn, and we learn intergenerationally when we do so together. So when it comes to tasks, I think we live this part well. That whether it's here at the kitchen or whether it's out there at the fair or whether it be in Kentucky or Juarez, Mexico or Hastings or all of the other places that we represent, we don't have to worry about that's not my job being an excuse. But there is a spiritual aspect and dimension for us to hold on to today. And this is the, the point and the takeaway. There are times where we can say that's not the best use of my time. But in what Paul has listed off here in Colossians 3, this, this vision of life, of having your heart set on things above and having all these things of death and the old ways of life behind you and beneath you, quite simply it is this. There are things that are not our job, things that are not for us to do. And they sound a little bit like this. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Living that way is not our job because those things are beneath us, not because we are so holy, but because God has called us to set our heart and minds on things above, to set our, our, fix our eyes upon Jesus. So there are things that are, in fact, beneath us, that it is how we once lived. It might still be the way we catch ourselves living, but those things are beneath us. We think about being greedy 
That's not our job. That's not our calling as Christians. That's not my job to live that way. And there are things that are a little bit above our pay grade. There is a vision of the fullness of life that is always going to be one step beyond us because, friends, we do not believe that on this side of heaven there's some moment of spiritual arrival. There are beautiful moments of clarity, and I think those happen on mission trips, but there's not an arrival point on this side of heaven. There is always spiritual growth, but there's not a spiritual arrival where we suddenly get everything figured out perfectly here. We continue to grow. We continue to learn how to set our hearts on things above. We continue to understand who Jesus is and what is above us and what is beneath us. The Apostle Paul goes one level deeper than maybe some of the things we would say are obviously sin and challenges us with some postures of the heart like anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips trying to get into some of the postures of our heart. What's behind some of these things? Now, I've gone uh, to Warwick before, and I would just say with that verse about uh, filthy language on your lips, I want to say that we're not always talking about the exclamatories. What is it that you say when you cut your hand or hit your uh, finger with a hammer? I actually am not saying that those don't matter, But what's being talked about here is not so much the exclamatories, but the derogatories. The way you speak. Does it build up? Does it edify? That's a fancy word in Scripture for building up. Does it edify? Does it elevate? Or is it neutral? Or does it tear down? Friends, there are ways to talk that are beneath us that are not our job. And it's not just how we speak, it's also who we speak to about what. And a point to ponder this week, and I'll use this analogy off the cuff for Pastor Audrey and I, but only on on my side negative, because you don't do this. After a meeting that we both go to, there might be some frustration, and we might walk away irritated. And what's the greatest temptation to do? If you're anything like me, if you're human, the greatest temptation is to talk with a like-minded friend, complain, vent, talk about people in ways that are actually beneath us, and then move on with no seeking of reconciliation, with no greater vision of life or shalom living with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's easy to find the people that we know already agree with us, talk with them, vent our frustrations, and then move on with self-assured righteousness. That actually is beneath us. That's not our job to talk that way or to be that way. Friends, we've been called to a higher vision and version of life. So what's not your job? It's not the tasks that you need to avoid. It's not doing something for a friend or a family member. The things that are not our job are listed in Scripture. It's the ways of life that are beneath us. And what's above our pay grade is what we're always working towards, is to be more like Christ, to imitate him more fully, to understand who Christ is more clearly, and to reflect that with greater radiance and evidence through our witness. So there are things that are not our job, that we need to fire ourselves from repeatedly. And there are things that are a little bit above us that we're going to keep living into. So this week... As you heard what was here, the task part is easy. 
Examine the posture of your heart. Read this passage again with someone that you trust and ask God, what are the things that I need to fire myself from? The how, the what, that I need to let go of one more time because it's not my job to live that way. It's my job to live my life with my eyes fixed on Jesus and to be transformed, not to stay the same, self-assured that we're doing all right, but to seek continual transformation, that we live our lives that are hidden in Christ. Hidden with Christ does not mean that Jesus is playing a mean game on us. It means that the truest and fullest and greatest version of life will be discovered when we find the fullness of life in Christ. And that the Christian, the Christian message of the gospel has been good news. And it's been good news for the poor. It's been good news for the oppressed. It's meant to be good news for victims. It's good news for those who are sick and suffering. Because in those moments, we find where true life is hidden. And it's hidden in Christ. So as we close with prayer today, we're going to pray for those who are searching for the truest and fullest version of life in the midst of hardship and difficulty. And we'll pray for the posture of our own hearts to know what is our job, what is our calling, what is the sense of vision that God has asked us to live into, and what it is that we should freely set aside and leave behind. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.